what is the cost of demonstrating compliance? A question that is currently plaguing the tire manufacturing industry, especially after the recent inclusion of natural rubber in EU's deforestation law. Hello, and welcome to Helix Tapping the Industry, a series where we examine the forces driving the rubber markets today. I'm Farah Miller, CEO and co-founder of Helix Tap Technologies. With me today is Mr. Jerome Moussaint-Jean, an advisor of Helix Tap. Jerome is our rubber expert in ESG as well and the tire manufacturing supply chain. Today, we will discuss with him the increasing impetus on sustainability in the rubber supply chain and ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. So hi, Jerome. Welcome to Helix Tapping the Industry. Hi, Farah. Thank you for inviting me. Before we deep dive into whether ESG is a boon or a bane, let's start with a little bit about yourself, your time in the rubber industry, and what makes you passionate about it. Well, Farah, natural rubber is an exceptional natural product, and the world would have difficulties to operate without it. Rubber trading is a great job because you deal with many different people, and it goes from the forest to the finished tire. A product which, by the way, will end up being used by everyone in the world. And I don't think there are many jobs with a similar reach. It's also an exceptional business with exceptional people on all continents. Yes, I'm passionate about natural rubber. And it is a passion shared with millions of other people. Farmers, rubber producers, traders, tire producers. It's a great challenge. And I was lucky to come into such a business where you can find passion and fun at the same time. I couldn't agree more. There is a saying in rubber that one doesn't ever retire in the rubber industry, and we can see that all around us. So I would like to dive into our topic this episode, the EU deforestation legislation. How are you, with your vast amount of experience, seeing the situation unfold? To me, it does not seem to be a win-win situation, at least in the short to midterm. Well, it's indeed a tricky situation. Let me first explain uh, where the, the EU stands today on world deforestation. The ultimate goal for the EU is to end world deforestation. But at the same time, it doesn't want to put its industry at a competitive disadvantage against countries which would take no action on deforestation. And it's a difficult challenge. So today, there are basically two groups driving the EU deforestation debate. The EU Commission, which we also know as the EU Executive, and the EU Parliament, and they are not in agreement. So on one hand, you, you have the EU Commission. They intend to include six commodities, namely beef, soya, palm oil, coffee, cocoa, and timber, with 100% sourcing traceability with a universal set of rules. Now, the twist in the plot is that the European Parliament wants to include all the commodities, which means rubber is under scanner too, with three factors to be considered for traceability, duty of care, geolocalization, and report to country local administration, so the, the legal side. However, the EU Parliament is open to adjust regulations as per the industry demand requirements. They will put some flexibility into that. And as you can see, these two EU organizations have a very different approach. But nothing has been finalized or voted yet. 
these two EU entities have agreed to give themselves another three months to come to an agreement or a compromise, and the EU Parliament will be the ultimate decider. A vote is expected before December 31st this year, 2022. So now the question boils down to who the beneficiaries and the users will be. What is your personal view? I wish it were so black and white, but unfortunately it is not. Different countries like US, Japan, China and Europe all have different approaches when it comes to sustainability. As I mentioned earlier, the EU law should be finalized by the end of this year. But meanwhile, the US has a deforestation law under study. Currently, the UK forbids deforestation, but has no control in place. And this is the case with most other countries, as they have limited or no law on deforestation, and rarely do they have any controls in place. But Latin America, Africa, and Southeast Asia countries said they have serious concerns about the future EU legislation, which they say, and I quote, disregards the local conditions and national legislations of developing producing countries and their efforts to fight deforestation, unquote. They simply warn that the law will generate trade distortions and diplomatic tensions without benefits to the environment. It could also increase costs and have negative social and economic consequences for developing countries. Then comes a second layer of influence, the car maker's influence. It's important to note that the car makers have not yet implemented in their suppliers' contracts clauses specifically on deforestation. The EU car makers are starting to push for sustainable natural rubber compliance, which would probably include deforestation. Some US car makers are also talking about it. The other continents have not yet started anything, but it will be happening sooner rather than later. The question is, what will be their contractual demands? In other words, will it be the car maker specific? Will it be the EU rules? Will it be the local rules? Others? And nobody knows yet what it will be. And keep in mind that the tire makers are not against a deforestation law, provided the rules are practical and workable. And let me share with you. The reality is that there are 6 million farmers tapping trees and selling natural rubber on a plantation, which is on average one to two hectares. And you realize no system can put 100% guarantees on such a large supply chain network. Let's take an example. A large tire manufacturer can source its natural rubber from about 150 natural rubber factories across the world. And those factories get their raw material from about 2 million farmers. You realize it's impossible, even with today's technology, to track and trace at the farmer level 100% of the natural rubber delivered to those tire factories. But to try to accelerate the improvement process, the tire makers have set up the GPSNR, the acronym for Global Platform for Sustainable Natural Rubber. So what it means is that they are working together to bring solutions and guarantee sustainable natural rubber. Keep in mind that deforestation is one element among many others, like water, fertilizer, farming practices, solvents, and others as well. On addition to that, four tire makers under the leadership of Michelin and Continental, but with Goodyear and Pirelli, 
have started a company called Rubberwave to do risk analysis and build projects to work on the identified risk areas. As you understand, everyone is trying hard to improve things, but proving the natural rubber sustainability, including no deforestation, is a very, very complex project. We still need time and new technologies like drones, AI, and the journey will be long. Indeed, that kind of technology, especially with, you know, 6 million smallholders and a very farmer-driven industry, is a long-term plan. But the smallholder farmers seem to be underrepresented. So if the European deforestation law gets approved, adhering to the regulations would also narrow options to source natural rubber for the tire manufacturers. In this type of case, what are your thoughts on the tire manufacturers' next steps in trying to ease the situation? Well, the most rational move in such a situation would be to ease it. If tomorrow the country's law and the car makers require proof of a full sustainability, the tire makers will have no choice but to comply with the country's laws and car makers' contracts. It's obvious. Well, in that case, they will select uh, natural suppliers who can guarantee the sustainability while reducing the complexity of the proof and of the supply chain. To protect themselves, the tire makers will narrow their supply basis to the low-risk areas. It's the only way to reduce the complexity and guarantee compliance. Now, the question would be, who will be the beneficiaries and who will be the losers? The direct consequence will be a concentration of the market. Smallholder farmers will become losers when located in remote areas or areas identified as risky. And you understand that the social impact may be substantial, as those areas are already the most underdeveloped areas. Well, on the rubber trade side, they are estimated to number 100,000 in Southeast Asia. Obviously, some will lose and disappear, some will win and grow. Natural rubber factories will be impacted and will be facing financial difficulties when situated in the risky areas and likely shut down. So it will be just the survival of the fittest. The obvious winners will be the car customers, meaning all of us, because we will get a car guaranteed as fully sustainable, including the guarantee of no deforestation. However, keep in mind that there will be great social impact to this process across the whole supply chain. So sustainability will be guaranteed, but it will take years and new technologies to be fully compliant. Thanks for that very comprehensive answer, Jerome. I mean, moving on to a major topic that was plaguing everybody in 2021, supply chains. But then this provides a new challenge. So according to you, what would be the most challenging aspect for tire manufacturers? Sourcing raw materials or adhering to the unwritten decision of being sustainable? After COVID, the, the tire makers' priorities have become a very interesting question. It's like choosing a lame raw material sourcing or sustainability. We do not have a full understanding of the impacts of COVID on sustainability policies and its implementations yet. 
But we can guarantee that the supply chain was and still is the priority, simply because tire makers cannot afford to stop their tire factories. So it was a complex and difficult process as one has to deal with multiple variables at the same time, such as commitments on long-term contracts, a drop in the natural rubber demand, and a shortage of containers and ships. And it's been a daily challenge. Unfortunately, one of the consequences has been decisions to ship sometimes at any cost with no real concern for the additional CO2 emission generated. One could think that to save costs, sustainability budgets could have been reduced. It looks like this was not the case. Those budgets were not impacted by the lockdown and business slowdown. Companies have, in some cases, even increased their budget as their headquarters are well aware of the public pressure on the sustainability. We know that financial reporting includes now large aspects of the sustainability strategy. And we also know that boards of directors and CEOs are questioned by financial analysts now requiring proof of compliance. So yes, the supply chain remained a priority, but the efforts on the natural rubber sustainability, including budgets, were not reduced. So it looks like there is a lot to balance, especially amidst all the changes. And in the midst of volatility, demand cuts, and energy crisis, a lot of this seems very European-focused. In your view, will the other markets also follow suit? Well, the first question is whether the EU sets the tone on sustainability will depend on how it manages its decision on deforestation law. So we're waiting for their answer end of this year. But will other markets follow? Well, the U.S. probably will follow, but slowly. The car makers will probably move faster than the law. The rest of the world will likely wait and see. However, the real question is how quickly, if at all, China will join the sustainability race. Let's keep in mind that China represents 40% of the natural rubber world consumption. Yes, it, it is definitely important for all the actors to join and especially important also for China to join the sustainability race. And I believe we are seeing some early signs of that, especially in other commodities. Conversely, if we look at producers, many of them have been navigating negative margins. One of Helix's set goals is to ensure physical indices reflected by the various grades of metal rubber. Another goal is, you know, for critical data to be readily available to market participants, empowering them to make better, more timely decisions. So, you know, looking from all of this, as someone with experience in procurement before moving on to a large tire manufacturer, how do you think Helix Tap's physical indices could help users navigate these volatile markets? I strongly believe that Helix Tap does support decisions at a glance which is very important for the rubber traders. And it's got historical data analysis. It covers and analyzes the key challenges for the industry. What possibly comes in most handy are the trends identified and forecasting prices by grade and source of origin. Alexstadt has developed a very strong, reliable and clear dashboard. It's a key tool for any market participant to gain a quick market overview and 
to support their job on a daily basis for their decision making? Yeah, I mean, we are constantly fine-tuning our Unixet platform and creating new products to support our users in navigating the vibrant but volatile rubber market. And this, of course, includes the foray into sustainability and supporting users in that push for sustainability and traceability. Thank you for sharing your insights into this ever-growing discussion on sustainability, Jerome. Thank you, Farah. All right, so to wrap up, Indeed, the real-world implications of such a move would lead to a structural change in the industry, but it is high time for some technological innovation in this space that does not operate at the expense of the smallholder farmers, who are definitely the backbone of this very critical industry. If you found today's episode insightful, let us know at marketing at For more updates on the rubber industry, please check out www.helixtap.com and you can also follow us on socials under the handle HelixTap. Thank you for tuning in to Helix Tapping the Industry. Until next time, 